What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This podcast, usually taped either at Extension Marketing Studios or at Blast Podcast Studios, is now being recorded from the comfort of my home. Actually, I'm in Andy's bedroom. In isolation with my kids somewhere in the house and hopefully not making any requests over the next hour or so. I want to thank John from Blast Podcast for being on the other line, ensuring that we can get you the best sound quality as close as we can to what you're used to. This world is a very different place within the last two weeks. It's surreal, it's emotional, scary, uncertain, trying to say the least, and the list goes on. We all deal with stress and the unknown in very different ways. We cope differently. Some will suffer in silence, others will reach out. This will be a massive learning curve for the world as we shift our habits, behaviors, and create a new normal for the time being. My scheduled podcast guests have changed, as have the topics for a bit, with focus very much not on the pandemic occurring around us with COVID-19, but the mental and physical toll it will have on us as well. At the beginning of the year, Eliza Kingsford, the author of Brain Powered Weight Loss, joined me on the podcast, and there was great response to it. As a quick recap, we hit on people's relationship with food, nutrition, and the psychology of eating. I've seen some really funny memes and pictures on social media related to our obsession with food and consumption as we isolate ourselves at home. But when food is an issue, when food is a trigger, when we stress eat, the underlying issues also come out. We are stuck at home, we are bored, and we are not getting into our usual routines. So what exactly is happening in our brains? How can we protect our nervous system right now? How do we navigate mental health in such close quarters? How should we be cooking? So lots of questions to get through. And with that being said, I'd like to welcome Eliza back to the show. Eliza, great to see you again. Thank you. you. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Good to see you. I know. I mean, I definitely didn't think I was going to have a repeat guest on this quickly, uh, but this is really, this is a topic right now. This is something that you're dealing with and a lot of your clients, people, interests. This is overwhelming, would you say? I, I would say, and you, I would say yes, and, and you hit it exactly. I'm dealing with it personally, uh, as well as all of my clients. People are struggling with food right now. Okay, so this is really funny because just before we press record, I was saying to you, you know, my mom and I were chatting and she was saying to me and and, my, and I learned healthy eating from my mom, right? Like from the time I was really young. But yeah. she said to me, she goes, Leanne, she goes, I, she goes, I know that I should be eating all the fruits and the vegetables in the fridge. She goes, but right now she goes, I am just craving the breads and the butter and the cheese. She goes, I just, she goes, all my system seems to want right now is, is carbs and things that are like my comfort foods. And so she was telling me what she was going through. And then I said, you know what, mom, like, I actually have no appetite right now. Like I, I'm working in the kitchen, I'm doing things, but I have, I seem to not want 
food, like food is not satiating me at all. Like I, I have no appetite. And so I'm figuring just between two family members right there, those are extremes. And I'm assuming that there are so many different extremes and so many different levels that fall in between what I just mentioned. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I think that's so interesting too. And, and actually it's, it's a really wonderful way to illustrate the point that we all have different reactions to anxiety. And that is the pervasive feeling that's going on for people right now is this level of anxiety and anxiety and anxiety because um, there is this really big elephant in the room, which is the, I don't know, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't know how long my kids are going to be out of school. I don't know. There's just this big, I don't know, which creates a lot of anxiety for people because our brains are designed to organize information, digest information, um, make assumptions about what to do with that information, and then act. We don't have that right now. We don't have the ability to organize it and then create a solution for it and act. So we're left in limbo, which creates anxiety. And anxiety is one of the main triggers for our sympathetic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system is set up for us to get information and then mobilize different parts of the brain of the body to act in accordance with that information. In in days of old, when we were hunter-gatherers, you, in, most of your listeners have probably heard this before, but in days of old, this was set up so that we could quickly and adequately respond to danger. So our, our sympathetic nervous system gets activated and then we're able to respond to danger very quickly and effectively. Well, we are right now being activated by danger, but we do not have the ability to respond, meaning there's nothing to respond to necessarily. There's no tiger to run from. There's no wall to jump over. There's nothing to respond to. So what it is, is a sustained nervous system response. And anytime we have a sustained nervous system response, that's going to be taxing on our system. Um, so, so quickly bringing that all the way, and there's so much more to say about that, oh, I know. quickly bringing that back to you and your mom, people respond differently. People's brains, I should say. And it's really important that we separate people from people's brains right now, because I think that's what's going to help the listeners cope. Um, but people's brains respond differently to anxiety, to the feelings of anxiety and stress. For some people, the brain um, releases a certain type of hormone called the corticotropin releasing factor, which doesn't matter, CRF hormone. Some people release that type of hormone and it suppresses the appetite. Other people's brains release hormones that increase the appetite. And so you have the CRF hormone likely being released that's suppressing yours. Your mom might be having hormones that are releasing that are increasing hers. And so the reason I think it's so important for people to separate the self from the brain is so that they can take, both of you can take a step back and say, okay, something is happening to my nervous system right now, I can be really mindful of that. And from there, then you can make conscious decisions about what you'd like to do with that information. Okay. Now, as much as we'd like to do certain things with the information, it's going to be more difficult 
than it might be at other times to make certain decisions based on how we're how we're feeling. You know, when you talk about where our nervous system is at, I can sense that. Yeah, right. You're we. I usually can anticipate that it's going to go up, but then I usually anticipate that my system will come back down. And so yep. when I'm in that up without knowing when it's going to come down, you know, thankfully I've been trying to do breathing and doing gratitude and positive thinking. I mean, it's only going to take me so far. And I think for a lot of people, we have different um, baselines <laughs> as yep. to even where we're starting from also, right? And and you'll have people who already have a healthy relationship with food and can monitor, but you have those that, that don't have that relationship. I remember reading um, even on just one of my posts, like people who are dealing with eating disorders, yeah. how difficult this time actually has been. So as much as you're kind of aware how much does being aware really come into effect when you're trying to figure out a solution or how you're going to cope for what is probably a little bit longer term than we had anticipated? Yeah. And that's a really good, that's a really good question. And my story comes into play there when I'm answering it. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. That being aware is not enough. I, the first part of this, I mean, we have been sort of on, on shelter at home, I guess, uh, since what last Friday, 10 days ago, 10 days, let's call it 10 days ago now. And like three days into it, I was aware that I was stress eating and I had my hand and my kids like Amy's cheddar bunnies and was st- putting them in my mouth with my brain going, what are you doing? You know what you're doing right now. And the other part of my brain going, I know exactly what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing it anyways. And all of the things were firing at the same time. And I knew what was going on. I could feel what was going on. All of that is to say, being aware you're right is not enough, but the truth is, um, we have to be intentional and we have to actively do things on purpose right now, not only to reset the nervous system, um, everything that you're talking about, the breathing, exercise, meditation, gratitude, journaling, nature, sunshine, all of these things that we sort of, I don't know, you you kind of consider them, oh, that's nice and lovely and airy-fairy. Not at all. Those are actually a physical reset of the nervous system that is so necessary right now in order to counteract the fact that our nervous system is on high alert, right? So we've got sympathetic nervous system dominance for everyone right now. Even the people that are going, well, it's fine. I'm, you know, I'm in my home and it's no big deal and everything's fine and I'm not um, impacted. Not true because everyone is reading the news. So everyone is susceptible to what's called emotional contagion and emotional contagion with or without your knowledge is activating your nervous system. So you've got sympathetic nervous system dominance, which means you have to actively do things like you're saying multiple times a day. It's not just meditating in the morning anymore. It is what are you doing throughout the day, pretty much all day, to keep to help try and keep your nervous system balanced? Because, and this is where I was going to with, with that, when your sympathetic nervous system is activated, it shuts down the executive functioning part of your brain. So you cannot access rational decision making. You cannot access the part of your brain that says, oh, yes, I should definitely cut myself an apple right now rather than, you know, go for whatever the the car, all the carbs and all the sugar, right? Um, that part of your brain is not online. It's It's not, you don't have access to it. So until you can actively do something to switch back over into that parasympathetic nervous system, it is much harder to make 
good decisions. And, it, and, and you can feel it. I think you were describing that. You can feel it when you're activated like that. The brain gets foggy. Um, it's, it, you, know, you can't access the information that you know is there to make the good decision. So what I'm telling people to do is that we can't just passively go throughout our days today. Right now, we, we need to actively be using systems and using coping mechanisms and using tools that are going to reset so that we can put back online our decision-making skills and be able to connect in a way that is more supportive to us. Because like you mentioned, if we are consuming all the trigger foods then you're adding on top of what's already activated. Now you're adding the emotions of the food, the stress, the guilt, the shame, the frustration with yourself. Now you're adding to it in a way that is going to make the situation so much worse in the long run. Well, that's, that's it. And that was something that I was thinking about. You know, people know that they can stress eat sometimes, but that lasts a day or so, typically, mm-hmm. normally, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, it can be like, you know, I'm bored. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes, you know, the kids are at home and they're constantly in the kitchen. It's like, well, they're bored. And so, you know, I can say to them, guys, you're just bored. You're not hungry. Yeah. Go. But when we are all in the same scenario, when we are in the kitchen, when people are now working from home, they're mm-hmm. working at the kitchen island, they're living in a kitchen, right? Yeah. There's, there's things all around you. So when you talk about bringing this nervous system down to being able to, to kind of analyze and work with it, can you let us know, like, what should, what should we be doing? What would be different scenarios for us to work in so that we can make better decisions and, and base it on people who might be stress eating or bored eating or, you know, don't really have control? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so for your listeners, you'll probably put it in the show notes. I created a stress kit a a stress response toolkit that has links to all the things that I'm about to talk about so they can find out more information. Um, And so they can download that. It's totally free. It's, you know, go find You'll have the link to find it. So here are the things that I suggest. In specifics to the nervous system, um, you already, you are, you know, the expert on exercise. I see you doing your thing um, on Facebook. I'm loving that, right? So exercise is not, to to lose weight or keep our bodies in a certain place right now. Exercise is to reset that nervous system, is to keep us in a place where we can make good decisions, where we can feel calm, where the adrenaline is released, norepinephrine, all that kind of stuff. So exercise. Um, the uh, Any type of meditation. And for people who are really... Um, what's the word, who are, who feel anxious about meditation or overwhelmed about meditation. Am I doing it right? How long do I have to do it? Do I have to sit for an hour with my legs crossed and my eyes closed? There are so many simple resources for meditation in my toolkit. I link to insight timer, which is my favorite resource. I think it's a super user-friendly, easy to use so many different ways you can use that. Um, some type of meditation, again, not because it's a luxury to have right now. It's a necessity to, reset the part of the brain so that we can start thinking more clearly. Um, breathing, as you mentioned, there's links to that in, in the toolkit. Um, uh, nature, if you can get outside, there is really, really good research to what vitamin D is doing for us right now. If you can get outside in the sun, some people won't be able to, depending on where you live or if you're, you know, weather or whatever, even the shelter in place guidelines from what I've read so far, um, still allow people to take a walk or get outside the house. If you can do that 
at least once, if not multiple times a day. That is, I mean, that is medicine right now. It's not a nice to have. It's, it's actually medicine. Um, gratitude. You had mentioned gratitude earlier. And again, gratitude is not just a nice to have right now. What it actually does is when, when we start, I mentioned emotional contagion earlier, that means that we essentially are catching the um, not only the emotions of the people around us, but also the behaviors of the people around us. And you saw that right away with the whole like run on toilet paper situation, right? People were saying, why are, why are people doing that? That is emotional contagion. You get into a panic, you're the executive functioning part of your brain shuts down so you're not making good decisions anymore. And what happens is you are mimicking, without knowing it, the behaviors of the people around you. So you heard from somewhere that toilet paper was going. And if you sat and thought rationally about it, it, you chuckle now, you sat and thought rationally about it and you think, if I need to survive for a couple of weeks, you know, without going to the grocery store, toilet paper is not going to be the first thing that comes to your mind. But we catch the emotional contagion of the people around us. And so what gratitude does is put us in a different state of mind, in a state of mind where your what's called the reticular activating system will pull in the information that you're thinking about. So if you are consciously thinking about things that you have to be grateful for, you're teaching your reticular activating system to pull in more things you have to be grateful for, which means your brain is going to start on its own. The more you do it, the more your brain on its own is going to start to be pulling in little things all day to be grateful for. And that is going to stunt the emotional contagion. That's going to stunt the panic. That's going to stunt the fear. So those are all things from a mindfulness state, right? But you, but what you're talking about is food. Like, what can we do with? Well, food, no. Well, right? I mean, it's it's both, right? I mean, if you're able to practice this on a daily basis of getting out, of moving, of you know, of all the things that you just mentioned, I mean, I think for sure you're ahead of the game. Yeah, as much as you can be. It's like, it's almost for me, I'm almost trying to stay one step ahead of the anxiety. That's yes. that's like how I'm looking at it. If I'm like a little step ahead of it, that I won't get caught up in it and that I can yep. still breathe and try to make rational decisions. But what would you say to somebody like, how do you use those tools when someone's heading back to the fridge because they're bored or they're stress eating? So what's happening when they're opening up that fridge for the 10th time that morning? What are you what are you trying to get them to trigger or how can all of the other things help benefit so that they're not doing that? Because for me, I, I feel like people are going to feel worse about themselves coming out of this situation going, look what I've, you know, I had all this hard work and now I went back to old habits or those are kind of the things like what of those listings or where do those fall into play when you're trying to avoid that behavior? Yeah, good question. And and you're right. That's exactly where people should be is to is to try to stay one step ahead of the anxiety. Um, that that that's one of the goals that I'm I'm working on with people. What I would say to you is, th- what the the tools that I just mentioned are the ways to keep the nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system online so that you can make rational decisions. So that's one piece of it. However, if you are finding yourself 
bored in front of the refrigerator, anxious in front of the refrigerator, panicked in front of the refrigerator. I mean, people are in front of the refrigerator okay. anyway. now. And it's not the refrigerator because in the refrigerator is usually the good stuff. It's the pantry. (laughs) It's the pantry where there's right. It's more the pantry. I go to the fridge. My kids go to the pantry. Right. It's all I can always tell where they're at as to what side of the kitchen. And I'm sure it's like that in so many households. Right. It's which direction even in the kitchen you're going. (laughs) That's, that's so true. So now is the time. Uh, So uh, in a lot of my work before this, I was talking with people about relationship with food and, you know, how do you get rid of the diet culture and da, da, da. This is a time for structure. This is a time for structure for everyone because our brains are seeking structure. You know, our brains are trying to make sense of it all. So this is a good time to put some structure in place. Whereas before, you might you might want to play around with, you know, intuitive messages, things like that. Your brain is not getting intuitive messages right now around food. Your brain is not getting intuitive messages right now around food. Your brain is is being hijacked by the amygdala. Just that's what it is. So now is the time for structure. So um what I am recommending for people is to take a moment when you have a clear head, take a moment, whether that's before breakfast or after dinner or something like that, to put in place what you would like your ideal structure to be. Not because you have to follow it rigidly, but because in a clear state, you want to say, here's my intention. I'm going to set my intention for what I want my structure to be. If I want to eat three meals a day, if I want to eat six snacks a day and never have a meal, whatever it is, whatever feels like is a good structure for you, set your intention for the structure. So at least you have a baseline of where you'd like to be as much as you can make decisions about food outside of your kitchen. If you want to, if it's time to eat and we're doing meals or snacks or whatever it is, if you can step out of the kitchen, if you're in it, Or don't go to the kitchen if that's where you're headed and make a decision about your food before your brain starts getting triggered by all the cues that are in your kitchen. If your kids see your pantry, that's a cue. They're going to open it up. They know what's in there. The brain starts looking for what it likes in the pantry. That's not executive decision making. That's the brain making the decision for you. So try and make the decisions outside of the pantry if you can. A lot of people, if you talk to them, will go into the fridge, open the fridge, and decide what they want for lunch. Well, their brain is looking at all of the food in the fridge and very quickly, without you knowing it, making decisions about what sounds good, what sounds satiating, what sounds desirable. The brain is doing all of that. And if you're hungry and stressed when you're doing that, guess what? The brain is not going to say, oh, here's a lovely, you know, spinach salad that will sound satiating and nourishing. Right now, the brain is going, give me all the things. So trying to make decisions while you're not adding triggers to the brain is one of the best things to do. And then I'm also telling people, I get it. There's this balance between going to the grocery store and getting non-perishable items, right? Because we don't know, you know, the access to the, to the food. Um, know, <laughs> know that you're going to be locked in your house with whatever you bring home from the grocery store. So again, try and make decisions at the grocery store from a clear space, write a list, stick to the list, make the list in a place where you have 
just done some meditation or gratitude or journaling where the nervous system is calm, make your list about what feels like nourishing food to you. And nourishing is my favorite way for people to make decisions about food, nourishing physically, mentally, emotionally. That's what you want to be looking for right now in food, making decisions about nourishing food from a clear space. Take your list, take it to the store, stick to the list and get out of there. Hmm. Now, <laughs> people, so we're, we're running into other obstacles. You know, we, I've been in isolation, so I've got friends that have run to the store for us, right? So, um, you know, there's, there's different circumstances where you've run out of the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can't quite get back to get more of the good stuff. Um, yeah. I've already had Jamie go, I don't... We, like, are we doing this again? You know, we're starting to get into repeated cycles and repeated meals. And so yeah. there's the, there's like zero me- like motivation to try to like, how do you get creative when you're yeah. using limited resources? And that I think is what are, where a lot of people are going to be heading, you know, depending on how much further down this goes and with so many limited resources, even other grocery stores, yeah, it's going to become more challenging. What, what do you suggest when you talk about nourishment? Like if you were to head to the grocery store and you know what the body needs, and I know we're going to get into that, right? Because there are people also that are dealing with obesity and stuff that actually need to consider certain things. Um, what what are your, what's on top of your list? Yeah. So I, and it's funny, I, I live in Boulder, Colorado and Boulder is very health conscious. And um, while the rest of uh, the country in the U.S. was running out of, you know, breads and things like that. Boulder was running out of all of the fruits and vegetables and the frozen vegetables, and you couldn't get any of the frozen vegetables. So I get it. There's going to be moments where you can't have access to things. I mean, look, first of all, the my overarching view is this will pass. Um, we, while what I want to tell everybody is here are the things we can do to try and be you know, as healthy as we possibly can in mind, body, and spirit. Also, um, grace and lenience is important here so that we're not piling on top of this, the guilt, the shame, the I shoulds, right? So I want to say that very clearly is, listen, we're all doing the best we can in so many areas of our life right now. Give yourself grace in this area too, saying today, can I do the best that I can do today Yesterday's gone. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Today, what can I do? Can I do the best that I can do and, and try and give yourself grace? That being said, um, I, I, I use sort of a triage situation. Yes, ultimately, fresh fruits and vegetables is, is number one. Then we move to frozen fruits and vegetables. Then we move to canned fruits and vegetables. Then we move to, okay, so, and, so nowhere on that list would I put Ah, uh, forget it. I'm just going to eat goldfish. You know that that is that is not going to help you physically, mentally, or emotionally right now. So, moving down on the list as things start to become less available is the way that I would tell people to go. So, if you can't get it fresh, try to get it frozen. If you can't get it frozen, try to get it canned. Um, there's lots of things you can do with canned. Uh, fruits and vegetables, you can wash things off that were in syrup, or you can wash things off that were in sodium or things like that. Um, but, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of things you can buy that's from, oh, shoot, I can't get my fresh produce to, eh, never mind, I guess I'll just eat Cheez-Its, right? We don't want to go, we don't want to go to there. I say, don't let the best be the enemy of the good. 
the best would be fresh. Good would be canned or frozen. Um, don't give up on your health right now, your what you put in your body, because my fear is that the impact of this, the impact of what you put in your body right now is going to last quite a bit longer than actual the the you know shutdowns or businesses being closed. That's going to last longer because our brains are so smart with the information. If, if this is the time where you throw up your hands and you go, you know what, forget it. I'm going back to all the processed foods and the junk food. I'll worry about it later. Sadly, your brain very quickly gets hooked on those things, will start to ask you to eat more of them, and it's going to be more difficult in the long run. So I'm actually telling people to, if you can, use this as an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm actually in my house. I have more time on my hands. Uh, I have less restaurants to go to. Can I use this as an opportunity to integrate something healthy into my life? Not a complete overhaul of your diet. That would be too overwhelming right now. But what is one thing you can do each day to integrate more health into your diet? What can you add that is more healthy? Not what are we taking away? Don't overhaul the whole thing. But what can you add um, just one thing each day and starting to get people to change their mindset about what opportunity this could bring versus going down the rabbit hole of panic and fear and panic of fear. Hmm. That's uh, it's a really good way is what can I add? And I think you, there's that fear of if you start to go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, what's going to be, what's it going to be like at the other end? And, yes. and I feel for people, I feel for people who have like, you know, since, you know, there's January and they've had these great resolutions and they've been on a roll and they're doing yeah. well and they've been going to the gym and they've been eating healthy. And then all of a sudden, you know, this, the world is blown up and they go back to the old habits, you know, what they were doing and, and the triggers that they had prior to that. So there's the, the I, and I get that people are home, right? So they can actually try maybe now to cook and to try different recipes. Like there are things that you actually can, can implement in there. So for people, are there certain foods that you know right now are good or should we be, should be adding into the system? Or if we are going to go to the grocery store, we're getting someone to run for us. What would be your top, the top list or, or foods that, you know, are actually, I know that you mentioned get fresh, get stuff, but what would be like the top foods that you're actually putting into the basket? Uh, adding foods and, and, and nutrients that have antioxidants and, um, you know, fruits and vegetables that have nutrients and antioxidants and uh, uh, trying to keep it simple for people. Yeah. So now is the time to reduce as much as possible inflammatory foods. It's inflammatory not only to your body, but to your nervous system as well. Um, so inflammatory foods are sugar, processed foods. For some people, it's dairy. But again, keep it as simple as possible. Um, sugar, processed foods is the, is the first place you should look if you're trying to keep it simple, trying to reduce the amount of sugar and processed foods. Um, go ahead. Okay, because you just said that, which is probably number one on if I'm talking to my mom that we mentioned at the very beginning yep. of the podcast is the first in the immediate place where she's actually going. Yes, and that, there's a reason for that because those foods, because they are, let's see, 
I'll try not to get too far down the scientific rabbit hole, but it is absolutely zero coincidence that what people are craving right now is sugar and processed food. It is an unnatural, they are, they are unnatural foods that our brain is not designed to want and that have been um, chemically engineered. Our brains are designed to want them now. They are not the types of foods that our brains are naturally designed to want. And so in times of stress and strain and trauma like this, the brain is is firing online to these things that they have have unnaturally become accustomed to. Okay, so the, the problem is if we keep feeding our brains those things, it just makes it worse. So. One of the hardest things that I think people are dealing with right now is the is um, in a moment where we are we are more taxed and stressed than ever. We don't have the energy um, emotionally, physically, mentally to say, "Okay, how am I going to make sure that I um, you know eat the the clean food and get to time in for meditation and exercise and all? How am I going to do all the things? I feel so taxed as it is." The thing about food is that if we do pay attention to it, the emotional and physical cascade that comes from it benefits um, all the way down. So I know that it's trying right now and taxing right now, but as much as you can say, all right, listen, I am going to limit my intake of sugar and processed foods, it's going to help in so many different areas, reduce inflammation, reduce stress. It's going to reduce the the brain um, telling you to eat more of those foods. All of these things are going to happen as a cascade of it. So that's where I would start. But if you are really struggling with that and what you can manage right now is to add in food, then you want to add in thing with lots of fiber and you want to add in things in the fiber is because it helps with the satiety. It's going to help keep you full longer if you're trying to eat a lot of fiber. And if you are full, then you're better able to decide, oh, is I'm full right now. Is this thing that I'm doing out of boredom, stress, you know, fear, panic, anxiety, or is it out of a desire for hunger, right? Okay. So what if you are able to recognize that you are full, but you are bored because you have been stuck in the exact same place yes. for weeks on end? So yes. What happens when you're like, well, I'm full, but I'm bored. So I'm going to go back and open the fridge again, even though I've memorized what's in there 10 times, but I'm going to go back. Yeah. And so if you're mindful enough to say, I'm full, but I'm bored, then I'm going to ask you to be mindful one step further and say, do I want to make a food decision right now? Or do I want to make a different decision right now? That's all. And, and, and be very curious about the answer. If the answer is yes, I want to make a food decision right now, then I'd ask you to make one more and say, okay, what is going to feel nourishing to me physically, mentally, emotionally? It's my favorite question. Just ask it. What will feel nourishing to me physically, mentally, emotionally? Because if you ask that question, rather than what do I want to eat right now? If you say, what do I want to eat right now? It's going to go Doritos every time. But if you say to yourself, what will feel nourishing to me physically, mentally, emotionally? It's a different question to a different part of the brain that allows you to go, yeah, Doritos for sure sound good, but I know how I feel after I eat them. And I know once I start, it's really hard to stop. 
can I make a different decision about food right now? This does require a lot of online mindfulness. I mean, it does. It, 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 right. But it it just does. That's where we right. are right it, now. But it, it does. But I mean, that's maybe the time when it's it's the trigger of okay. Now I'm going to go outside for that walk. It'll yeah. pass. Yes. And this is when we're going to go for the walk. Or this is you know you you implement other things into it. You know what happens? Like, and I mentioned at the top, like I have very little appetite right now. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So what do you do on the on the other extreme where a people still need? I mean, Grant, trust me, I'm still eating plenty. But I can <laughs> tell, you know that I can tell I don't have the appetite. Appetite. What would yeah. you say to the to to those people who are kind of just not nourishing their bodies or bringing yeah. in food it should be? It yeah. still takes energy to sit all day. It does. No, you're you're absolutely right. It does. And you said something really important that I want to real quickly touch on before I respond to that. You said it will pass, and that is really really important in this time. Is that people think standing in front of the fridge, wanting to eat Doritos, that that is the only feeling they're ever going to have. If they can be mindful enough to stay, you know what, to say, let me step away for a minute or go for a walk for a minute or whatever, use a mindful technique, it will pass. Cravings are on a wave. Um, and so if we can let that wave crest, it absolutely will pass. So I think you, I mean, you made such a great point there. It will pass. Um, to your question about people who are perhaps undernourishing right now, Nourishment is still the main focus, which is what will feel nourishing to my body physically, mentally, and emotionally. The the beauty of well, I shouldn't say beauty. Um, that's that's not the that's not the word I wanted to use to describe. But the 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 what is nice if if you are not being triggered to overeat is that your body will have a natural cue to tell you when it's hungry. It will say. Hey, you know, we haven't eaten in a while. I, I, I need some nourishment here. So if you're paying attention to the body's natural cue, it, it, it will tell you when it's hungry. Um, and so you can wait for that cue to eat. However, if what you're finding is that you're not eating all day or for stretches at a time, then there is a possibility that your CRF, that, that um, hormone response, is hyperactivated and really you're just, um, your, your hunger hormones are being, are being, um, stifled. And so what you want to do is make sure that you're asking the same question as someone who might be overeating would be asking, which would be what feels nourishing to me physically, mentally, and emotionally right now. And even if I'm not feeling physical hunger, do I know that my body needs to be nourished from an energetic standpoint? You wouldn't be able to do the awesome workout you did this morning if you didn't have the energy to do that, right? So right. how do but you, you know get what? yourself to eat? So, but you know what? Oh, I came upstairs and Tony had cooked me some eggs, you know, after the workout and I had no desire to eat them, but I knew that I needed to eat them. I knew I just worked out and needed some protein. And so, you know, I I mean, like I mentioned, like I'm still eating, but my appetite just isn't the same. Like I'm still, I'm still eating because I eat, but, um, but it's right. It's just like my appetite. Like I just really have, there's, it's almost like tasteless. (laughs) Like I'm just, I'm forcing it down just because I know I need it. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, there's just so many different extremes to it, you know, but I might not have an appetite for most of the day. And then, you know, later on in the afternoon, I'm famished and then I'm, and then I'm doing the good, do I go to the pantry or am I, you know, or am I going to the fridge? So we kind of, I definitely feel the cycles, but I'll feel in the morning, the anxiety later in the afternoon. It's like, you know, as the sun's going down, I'm like, give me food, give me food. So 
And I, 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 I sense that a lot of people are, are going through that. And it's funny yes. because I think I, I mentioned it in my newsletter and I'm actually going to pull it up, but like, uh, it was a really kind of funny meme that I was seeing from people, um, just on, you know, how often we're, how we're seeing our food consumptions and what we're actually like, what we're actually doing. Does that make any sense? Um, yeah. Is it the hold one on. about like when people are eating and it's okay? Hold on. Know. Okay, I found it. Okay, so the quarantine meal schedule: seven a.m. breakfast, yeah, seven fifteen dessert breakfast, yeah, eight thirty panic snack while watching the news, nine forty-five yeah. chocolate, eleven thirty snack while standing up staring into space. I mean, like I like the mindless eating, right? Like sometimes I don't even think people realize that they're even eating again. Twelve thirty lunch with dessert, then there's the nap, and then there's the dinner with feeling really off and weird vibes, like. I think we're not even realizing. Yeah. Like I sometimes don't even realize like, oh, I'm in the kitchen again. How did I, how did I get here? Yeah. Because your body will take you there. That is the thing about the brain um, is that it is so wired for survival. If you're not thinking about it, your body's going to take you straight to the kitchen because it's going, something's wrong here. Better eat, better eat, better have calories, better have things going on. But what you said earlier about you won't eat all day until you're ravishing in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And that is the trigger point for a lot of people who don't have hunger is because when you're ravishing like that in the afternoon, the brain goes, I need fuel and I need it quickly and I need it efficiently. Therefore, give me all the carbs, give me all the sugar. That's that's what the brain mm-hmm. will override and say that it wants. So then you're going to find yourself in front of the pantry instead of the fridge. So that's, again, where this mindfulness comes in of, okay, what is nourishing to me physically, mentally, and emotionally? Like you said, you went up, you had some eggs, even though you might not have been super hungry, knowing that your body needs nourishment throughout the day. And that's what it is. It's nourishment. I need it for physical energy. I need it for mental energy. I need to be able to, you know, function correctly. If we, if you want that parasympathetic nervous system online, you got to be able to function correctly. And part of that is feeding it nutrients. So it's one thing for us as adults and parents to understand what's happening, Mm. but our children are now being forced into a very difficult situation. Some of them are old enough to understand what's happening in the world. Some are too young to really kind of get it. They just know that their schedules, everything have been thrown off balance. So how does it, how does a parent deal with young children who will probably be constantly crying for wanting for tantruming over. I know tantruming is not an actual word, but you know, as much as <laughs> they're <sure>? battling, <laughs> as much as they're battling themselves, they now have young children who yeah. are equally as thrown off. So what do you suggest to them? How do you deal with the kids? Okay. This may be an unpopular response. Um, this is not a good time to teach our kids to cope with food when they're feeling anxious said a different way, there is an opportunity if we feel like we can to help our kids cope without using food in, in different ways. Um, I think people expect me to sort of say, you know, they're, everybody's trying really hard right now and, and, um, you know, let them be lenient and that kind of thing. Well, It sends the wrong message. And for many people that I end up working with a lot later in life, they can trace when their coping with food started. They can trace it to some event, some trauma, some something and say, hey, you know, this thing, this is where I started overeating. Let's not do that if we can. Um, 
here are the ways that I suggest not doing that. Again, structure, structure, structure right now. And the structure being, hey, just like any normal school day, you have a time that you go to school, you have a time that you have lunch, you have a time that you have snack, you have a time that you come home, we have a time that we have dinner. If you can stick to those same eating, feeding times, or whatever times you create, stick to that structure, teaching them that, okay, food is not the way that we deal with our anxiety here. Um, Food is something that we have for nourishment and energy, and sure, there's a Hershey kiss thrown in there, whatever, that tastes good, but it's not the coping skill that we're going to choose to use. So yeah, my daughter, I have a seven-year-old, and sure, she's come in and said, mom, I'm hungry, can I have a snack? And you know, maybe she had a snack 30 minutes ago. And so we'll talk about, hey, sweetie, what did we have for the snack 30 minutes ago? Was it you know, did it, was it not something that gave us energy for long enough? Do we need another snack? Are you feeling hungry right now? You know, are we feeling, we talk through it. Um, but I'm not using it as an excuse to let her and not even her learn that food is a coping skill. It's her brain. So the, here's the thing is that our brains wire and fire right now. Make no mistake about it, the emotions that we're feeling are big emotions. And when we have big emotions and then it gets attached to an action, that's called wiring and firing in the brain. When we fire a big emotion, we take an action and we wire those two things together, it's going to stay with us and create a neural pathway that we don't want to have. The simplest way to say this is you skin your knee, it hurts really, really bad. Mom says, gives you a hug and then says, let's go out for ice cream. You have that big pain, that big emotion of the pain. Then you have the ice cream and your brain wires and fires and says, ice cream makes everything better. We do not want to do that to our kids right now because the brain creates that neural pathway outside of us and they're going to learn that food is for coping skills. If you have any mental energy left over, try and keep your kids to a feeding a appropriate feeding schedule and times just like you would. Try to keep yourself to appropriate feeding times and schedules just like you would. It's for your brain as well. And that the type of food is um, the same, excuse me, I'm going to cough, <clears throat> the same type of food that you would be feeding them for nourishment physically, mentally, and emotionally, as you would any other time. Um, My conversations with my daughter around food right now have not really changed that much. Um, We're not doing more desserts just because it's coronavirus time. We're not doing, I mean, we do, we have a balance of dessert. We have a balance. I told you there's cheddar bunnies in her, you know, in the pantry. Um, We have a balance of things, but things have not changed as a coping response to what's going on. I think that's so critical. I, I think when you say that most of your the clients that you work with now, they can trigger it back to childhood or something or a trauma or something that triggered and the issues that responded for a lifetime that follows, right? And, and yep. the patterns that they had. It's so, so critical. And I think that's an amazing point that you just made, you know, knowing, looking back, you know, 15 years, like yet yeah, now, when did the issue start? And yeah. this will be a trigger point for, for a lot of people. And to really be mindful of that 
looking ahead, when we're looking at our children going, how are we going to help them? And that's so true. Food is not to be used as the coping mechanism. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, that's triggering just such a long road of recovery later on in life. Uh, really yes. like, yeah, like that, that was profound for me right there, you know? Mm. So, so true. Well, and super simple things related to that to keep it kind of tangible. Um, try not to let your kids eat in front of the television. Um, it turns off all mindful activation of consumption, how much, when they're, when they're full, all of that kind of stuff. So super easy rule to put in place. We don't eat in front of the television. We don't eat in front of our electronics. You're either eating or you're doing that, but you're not doing them both together. Feeding schedules, right? Like I mentioned, you know, do we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner and two snacks? Do we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner and one snack? I don't know what it is, but trying to stick to that structure rather than kind of on-demand eating, right? Sort of anytime they're hungry or whatever will help them regulate their nervous system and their cues so that they're going, oh, you know, I had breakfast and it's not quite snack time. Okay, am I going to do something else? Um, and then also don't just throw up your hands and say, whatever, eat what you want. It's a free for all. Um, because we are at a disadvantage with the brain already. The brain is going to be seeking processed food and sugar right now in order to calm itself down. Your kids, especially they're most susceptible to it. If you can, this is the time to say, here are your options for snack rather than what do you want for snacks? So you give them three options. Ideally, they have, you know, some type of fruit in it or, or some type of healthier option and give it to yourself too. Here are my three options for snack. Uh, I have options, but here's what they are. Set those boundaries, allow them to pick from those three options, but don't just let it be a free for all right now. Hmm. Such valuable information. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my, at, like, I'm just thinking even with my own kids, you know, where one is going. And then I'm thinking, oh, gosh, they're right now they're eating with their screen. You know, they're watching Netflix with the bowl in front of them. Like, yeah. I, so it's, it's, it's just it's, it's being mindful. Like, you know, you think you're I'm like, OK, these are things I can actually make a statement and make a small change to that I think will have long, long term, definitely long term effects. Uh, yeah. The information has been uh, invaluable. Like this is this is amazing. I'm hoping mm -hmm. like people can take this and you know, we are all, this is so foreign. Like we are in such a surreal time. Like, I, like everyone, I'm asking people like, how are you doing? And it's like, I don't even know how I answer my own question. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I have, I actually have no idea. Some, some days like in the morning, I feel great afternoon. I'm just like, you know, I can feel the anxiety in my chest building up, you know? And then it's like, no, you know, we got this, we're good. So it's just, you have to kind of give yourself permission, yes. I think, to realize that this is uncharted territory and just to know that you have resources and you know better. The brain's going to yeah. be, brain's on fire right now, right? But yeah. think back and take a second to step back and know the resources and know the answers. And that might actually help. Um, yeah. And then just one, one really quick question, because this was something that was really funny. Like, People are making this the same amount of stuff that they're buying for toilet paper. I'm seeing them going to the LCBO or like for us, it's the LCBO or the liquor store. Right. And it's just like, well, I'm just going to drink my way through that. So yeah. before I let you go, <laughs> before I let you go, um, what do you say to that? Like, I'm trying to just allow myself to enjoy a nice glass of wine as my calming factor. And then, you know, pouring the glass and putting it away. But there are people that are going to maybe, and I hope not, but consume a lot more than they typically would. Yeah. 
that could trigger down the road also. Yeah. Um, yes and yes. People are already consuming more than they normally would from what I've heard. It's funny. I just did a uh, an interview with a Healthline reporter on mindful drinking and this, and this sober curious movement. And it actually went really well uh, with what's going on right now, which is this is a time to be mindful and ask yourself what role alcohol um, is playing in your life at the moment. So what you just said, I allow myself to have a glass of wine to kind of calm myself down um, at night. Okay. Is that working for you? Does it help? Does it lead to more glasses than you'd like to consume? Does it have any negative side effects that you, you know, uh, wish weren't there and, and, and um, uh, could cause problems later? If the answer is, you know what, right now, it's helping me shut down, it's helping me not consume more news, and I'm okay, then okay, a glass of wine is okay. But I think you're using, you're already using some mindfulness tips and qualities there when you're having your glass of wine. If you are finding that your glass of wine turns into three, four, five, and then you're waking up hungover and you're starting the day over again that way, um, it's a really good time to ask yourself if alcohol is, is a struggle for you. Um, and I would say if you feel like it is, man, this is a hard one. If you feel like it is not problematic for you, if you can have a glass of wine and relax, if you can, put it away when you're done with that glass of wine and it doesn't lead to more than you intended to have, then you might be okay for a minute having that as, as part of your wind down routine. Um, but just be really mindful of whether or not it has negative side effects that you did not intend mm -hmm. because your brain, again, like you said, is on fire right now and everything is a little topsy turvy. Yeah. Hopefully we won't have to get into another podcast under that topic. <laughs> but uh, And I don't want to open up a Pandora's box with that yeah. one because I was like, hey, this is going to be a nice short kind of, you know, touch in bonus podcast. And now I realized like as soon as you and I start talking, I'm like almost at the hour mark again. So I'm like, <laughs> how did I get here again? Oh, um, but uh, this is uh, I know this is great information. So uh, you'll send me the link yeah. um, for for people to be able to kind of work through that worksheet, I you think. Bet. And uh, I'll add that again into uh, into the show notes. Any kind of last minute things you want to be able to say as I kind of almost went over my um, I was like Eliza will be like you know 30 maybe 40 minutes, minutes. Yeah. Big deal. <laughs> I think very very last thing is just love compassion and grace uh, these are all tips and tools and and helpful information if you're feeling like you you know are struggling you want something but more important than anything right now for everybody is grace compassion love for one another love for yourself every morning ask yourself am I doing the best that I can do just for today <laughs> just for right now um and, you know and and have that be the focus because this stuff can get pretty overwhelming um the resources are out there and and keep using them like you said but love compassion and grace for sure I, I really love that and uh thank you so much once again Eliza for your information um yeah. and I think a lot of people kind of can feel a little bit better that you know it's 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 the brain. The brain is triggering certain things. Like we're not always in control. So when you're kind of feeling that battle, you can actually at least give yourself the compassion there going, 
your system's out of whack, you know, things are telling yep. it so many different things and to not to not beat yourself up over it. And I think that's kind yeah. of a big thing right there. So thank you once again. It was really nice yeah. to see you. I'll see you, you back too. on so yeah, I'll see you back on social media and I'll have all of those links up and the information so people are looking for more information with Eliza, they'll be able to find it. Uh, good luck with your um, isolation and being at home with the kid. Like <laughs> we'll check in, I'll see how you're how you're coping also. All Thanks, right. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay. You too. Bye. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.